Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you sharing your midday Tuesday with us. We want to hear from you. You can text us. You can send your thoughts and your comments on the text line 704-570-9610. 704-570-9610. How many people are hurting out there despite not really caring about the New York Jets? Because even I am. And I didn't realize that that was going to happen. But after four plays last night, four, Aaron Rodgers goes down with an injury. We all were waiting for him to get back up. Then we kept waiting. Then we saw him go to the sideline. Then we waited for him to miss a couple of series and come back onto the football field. And then we kept waiting. And then we saw the cart come out. And then we thought, oh, no, this could be it for Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully it's only going to be something where he's out for a month. Maybe the half the season, maybe he could come back at the end of it and save this thing, but it increasingly got worse and worse and worse. And Robert Sala told us all we needed to know after the game. And then it was confirmed about an hour ago. Aaron Rodgers did indeed tear his Achilles tendon in Monday night's win over the Buffalo Bills. So the Jets, despite them winning in dramatic fashion, what ended up being a fantastic finish to that game they still lose by not having Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback this year. Enter back into the fold, Mr. Zach Wilson and whoever else is out there. Headbanding all. Deflating. It's deflating. And Wes, if you don't mind me sharing a text that you had, <laughs> mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you loved him or you hated him. Mm-hmm. Which, it's the guy I think you sports hate more than anybody and maybe even real hate more than anybody out there in the entire landscape of sports it's somewhere in in one category it's north carolina athletics and aaron Rodgers are in this circle and lebron lebron i don't hear quite the the disdain for yeah because we share some commonality so bad thing and all that but even you texted us and said Man, I wanted to see him fail on his own merit. Yeah, man. I didn't want to see it go man, down like this. I didn't this. want to hear any excuses as to why the Jets didn't have the season that they were supposed to have or anything like that. I wanted him to fail on his own, go through all 17 games, take the L's, take it to the house, and everybody be disappointed. But now at this point, like I said, it stinks because that was one of the reasons I was excited about the game. You know, I turned on the TV. I'm like, all right, you know, the Jets – Aaron Rodgers, uh, Josh Allen and the crew, this is going to be a good one. And so I was tuned in. And for it to happen so quickly, you're like, man, that that really stinks because I I torn Achilles myself. And so a lot of his behaviors after that kind of reminded me of of what happened when it happened to me as well. So, yeah, I I had forgotten you tore your Achilles. And this was not football related for you. No, it was not, man. I I was long done playing just out on an off day playing some basketball at a local gym. 
and um that happened what happened how did it did it did, did you do the kobe bryant thing yeah you know i was out there dominating and, of course uh, <laughs> you know of course i you really was you know i had gone from coming to that gym and them not knowing who i was to you know as soon as i came in the gym it was hey big man you you rolling with us you coming with us it feels good to be called big man yeah, in an open yeah, gym yeah it's like you coming with us mm-hmm. so uh but yeah man we were taking the ball out and i just took off running and then i just hit the ground and i looked back at the guy like and I asked him literally, I was like, did you kick me? And then he was you're, like, wait, oh, You're man. saying you said the same exact thing as I Kobe really Bryant did. did. I turned around and I said, did you kick me? And then he was like, nah, man. He was like, I was, he was like, I was behind you. So and then you like, finished your free throws afterwards. <laughs> no, no, no. I got up. <laughs> I got up. The ground felt like warped underneath my foot. It felt like the ground was like, I don't know. It, I couldn't see that it was warped, but it just felt that mm. way. I said, I'm done for the day. I hate the clips <laughs> going back and showing the tear because once you fear an Achilles tear, especially for these high profile athletes, we've seen it a couple times. Kobe Bryant is an example. Then you go to Kevin Durant, where that is the visual that I have in mind anytime anybody says mm-hmm. Achilles. You see the snap. Oh, I hate it. I, I can't stand that stuff. And so when you go back and you go watch the film and everybody is looking at Aaron Rodgers calf snap and there were some doctors on Twitter, medical field and Twitter was out and about after this, which I understand, I guess. They always are. Everybody's trying to beat you to the punch before we get the confirmation and the diagnosis or the update. But everybody, there were plenty of people out there that were saying, ooh, possibly Achilles. And then once you start to know what you're looking for, you see the calf reverberate. Yeah, man. And when, when they put him on that cart, you know, because when he just sat there, because that's another thing, like, I just sat there. When he was just sitting there, I was like, okay, because I think he probably knew what it was. Because Achilles is one of those injuries that you kind of know when it happens. It's hard to deny it. And so, again, that just took a lot of the luster out of that game. And uh, you hate to see it for Jets fans because, you know, they were so excited. Like I said, it happened so quick. You had this moment of euphoria. He comes out. You're excited. You can hear the crowd, the electricity in the building. When the Bills had the ball, it sounded like a playoff game in there. And then, it was loud. Yeah, and then for it to happen four plays into his tenure, and Jets fans were sitting there like, oh, no. I mean, they are one of the fan bases that get punished. The most, man. Nothing ever seems to go right for the Jets. I just feel bad for Fitty if he didn't have the Dallas Cowboys to lean on. <laughs> After a 40 right. nothing win in that very same building, he goes through all this despair. How are you doing on a team that you pull for, kind of pull for, because of a guy that you hate but also love? Tell me where you are on all of this. You know, it... it, it... <laughs> I I think I got to take some blame in this because for the last five months, I have kissed Aaron Aaron Rodgers' behind. After this man for 15 years tortured my NFL team, he owns the Dallas Cowboys. He gets traded to the Jets, and I just love him. And and, and I I put him on the pedestal that he deserved to be on because he is a great quarterback, one of the greatest quarterbacks of our lifetime. And in four plays... His jet career could be over. And I walked into the fishbowl this morning, and Colin looked at me and said, the fitty curse is real. So you, you <laughs> want to have this kind of power, though. He I does. can feel he it does. within you. You want this to be a thing, because usually there would be great shame in being responsible for ending what is maybe the top storyline in the NFL going into this season. Certainly HBO thought it was when they had their pick of a finite amount of teams they could choose to document. And so here you are saying, 
with a smile on your face. Ah, oh, the fitty curse, it's here. You want this power, that means you have to take the consequences that come yeah, with this power. Yeah, because he wants to inflict it on other people. He does. Well, like, that's the thing. Like, if, if, if the sports gods are going to give me the power to curse people, I'm willing to accept it. Because Duke basketball will never win anything of significance again. NC State football will never beat the Tar Heels uh, ever again. I don't think this is how it works, though. I think the curse is just all on my team. You want you want the power, but the problem is is that you do not get to choose who the curse affects because you wouldn't have chosen this to affect Aaron Rodgers. You wanted to see the Jets play, so but it's not going to be though? Duke that suffers. Because it's not like gonna, re- it's reverse be psychology heels. would say that I wanted him to get hurt. Because this dude Uh. kicked my team's ass for a decade and a half, and then he's this smug, arrogant, underachieving SOB. You see, the curse could have different type of powers. Are you saying you fooled the sports gods? No, because my heart... My heart dropped into my stomach when I saw yeah. him grab his, his leg. All right. Let's get off the bus. Let's go ahead and open up the doors and save some of this audio so we can uh, actually get to some of the other conversation points surrounding this. Get to second take Tuesday in the next segment. Let's continue this convo right now by getting off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! I did want to play the audio from Peyton Manning and Eli Manning on the Manning cast, the first one of the year, of course. They were in disbelief watching Aaron Rodgers go down with that injury. He's in the tent. He's not. He's hurt. He's hurt. Could not have been. Holy cow. I cannot believe this. (laughs) I thought it was just an ankle. I thought we'd go go tape it up and get him back in there. Come on. Three three plays. Four plays. Um, yeah, I'd rather see the run it, run it. Look at this, look at this, look at this, this baby. Out of baby. Those guys were roasting Zach Wilson last night. Did you? I don't know if anybody watches the Manning. I cast. was watching it. Roasting Zach Wilson and really even specifically Peyton Manning. Saying they should throw it three more times. Yeah. Run the football. After <laughs> watching Brees Hall go for a 20-yard gain, an 80-yard gain, there's no reason to let Zach Wilson throw that football. Even the touchdown pass. Garrett Wilson simultaneously recorded a pass breakup and a touchdown reception on the same very play and saved Zach Wilson. So did Josh Allen, by the way, who did not look good last night, playing YOLO all over the field (laughs) and having a few turnovers to speak of, four to be exact, with three interceptions and a fumble. But the deflating injury that took place with Aaron Rodgers, just four plays in, Wes, where does this compare to some of the other injuries we've seen? Gordon Hayward, just because it happened so soon into his Boston tenure, that's what it reminded me of. A devastating injury five minutes into the game. But Aaron Rodgers, it's up there. We'll remember this one, I think, for a long time. It's up there, no question about it, because of the buzz. It was so palpable in the building. A lot of people had such high hopes for the New York Jets and what they could do this season. And for it to end just so quickly and abruptly, like it's like... It's hard to to compare, but it's like when you start to get really, really excited about something and then you just don't even get a chance to enjoy it just a little bit, man. It's just taken right out from under you. It's kind of how I felt in the uh, NFC Championship game a few plays in when Brock Purdy tore his elbow and then I'm sitting there all excited, mm, yeah. getting worked up for the game all week. 
and then three plays in, you're just deflated because you know it's over with. So I can relate just a little bit uh, to what those Jets fans felt, and I think that's the biggest thing about it, the ratings that he was going to bring. Aaron Rodgers in Gotham City, like there was so many layers to this, and I'm sure the NFL office was just distraught about it because it's going to take away a lot from a team that had a chance to be really good in their biggest market. So Kyle asked this question a couple of weeks back. He asked us and then brought it to the listeners about the most known or the most devastating injuries that have happened within Charlotte sports history. We can go back to Luke Keekley being carted off of the field crying after the head injury that he suffered. That was a primetime game. We can go to some of those injuries, but what's more deflating before the hype can even see itself exist? Right. Because because here, here it is. We're all so excited. And then we get to the actual moment. And did Aaron Rodgers didn't even complete a pass last night. There still is not a Jets receiver to have caught a pass in a Jets uniform from Aaron Rodgers, which is incredible. After all the hype that we saw on Hard Knocks, the one that I come up with, and it's very light version, okay? In no way am I comparing their careers to one another. But I do remember going into the Super Bowl season. Remember Kelvin Benjamin goes down in that joint yes. practice? We thought the offense was done, and Greg Olson was going to go for 1,600 yards, and that was it. They were going to have to rely on their defense because Kelvin Benjamin had been a 1,000-yard receiver in his rookie year. We were expecting that big jump, and they go on a historic season, 15-1, and and it ended up not mattering whatsoever. That's not going to happen here. This Aaron Rodgers injury is going to matter to the Jets, but I remember having a, a pretty disappointing feeling with the Kelvin Benjamin, uh, Benjamin injury that happened. So that's one I can think of. Also, Wes, the Larry Johnson back injury that happened right after he signed his contract. So you're ready to go with the second era of LJ, who was going to be alongside him post Zoe and all that. And then he has the back injury and just isn't the same. Eventually gets shipped to New York. Don't forget uh, Steve Smith. Remember when he got hurt? That is a great one. Yeah, was in the building for that. That yeah, is. He got hurt as well. That's the winner. You're right. I completely forgot about that one. But that's the year after the Super Bowl. You're ready to go again. You're ready to see how competitive Did he you are. Achilles too? Um, Steve Smith. I thought it was a torn ACL. Thing, okay. Thought it was ACL, yeah, but, yeah. Week, but it was it was week one, right after the Super Bowl. Monday night football against the Packers. Yeah, Steve Smith. That's the one. That's the one that I, I think is the most deflating when you go to Charlotte sports history. Continue to text us some of those on the text line 704-570-9610. We can relay some of that info on the other side of the break. And also go to Second Take Tuesday. Time to focus a little more on the Carolina Panthers. We watched the film. We went back over it. What play stood out to us the most? And we also do have a J.C. Horn update to give you. All coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It's 
Wes and Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We were asking the question at the end of last segment. What was the most deflating injury that we've seen in Charlotte sports history? Kyle asking something very similar about a couple weeks ago. Just the most memorable ones. The Luke Keekley being carted off, right? So we already knew, yes, that was pretty deflating. But just before anything actually gets going, is there something that was stealing away all of the good feelings that you had before the season even started. Wes brought the Steve Smith injury right after their Super Bowl appearance in 2003. That was a broken leg, so not ACL or Achilles. Steve Smith would tear his Achilles in Baltimore later on in his career, but he did have a broken leg the next year after the Carolina Panthers go to the Super Bowl. And yeah, that was a tough one because we were all ready to go back and it did not happen, losing somebody that talented. And then for him to come back and win Triple Crown in 05. What, what an incredible comeback for Steve Smith. It definitely was. Could have been useful the year prior, but of course that injury really hurt. So what were some other injuries? Uh, Aaron from Mallard Creek I thought had a good one. So if we're doing this in the sense of the earlier injuries, Aaron from Mallard Creek wrote in Cam Newton's ankle in the preseason game against the Patriots. That's a great one. Just because it's not like I, I think a ton of people had Super Bowl aspirations for Carolina. But Cam Newton having that ankle injury against New England, we were all excited to see what he could do towards the very end of his career here, really, in Carolina. And for you to have that kind of injury in the preseason, it was unfortunate. Few people saying LaMelo's ankle injuries because that happened in the preseason. So you start last year without even having LaMelo go out there on the court, especially after Miles gets arrested for felony domestic violence. And so now you're without two of the most exciting players at the beginning of the season that everybody had as their league pass team. And so I thought LaMelo, while all of these are on a very different level than what Aaron Rodgers had happened to him on Monday night football, still at least locally, it hits a little bit different. Uh, we do have some people asking about the fitty curse. If it's real lifelong rule hater asked, what is stronger, the fitty curse or the Matt curse? There's no question. Like I, the Matt curse is very strong. It's legendary. Anybody that's listened to this station for more than, what, three, four years, even longer, they know about the Matt curse being so strong. Fitty's still in its infant stages, even if it is a curse, which we're not even sure of right now. Yeah, no, we don't. I, I asked Mac, though, I said, if, if my curse becomes real, do you want to trade spots? I get your time slot, you get mine. He did not seem willing to give up the mm. six to ten spot. Did you ask him for the same job, like Mac would just run our board and be the producer for the show? Mm, yeah, yeah, just, you know, just a, you know, switch, you know, one <laughs> yeah, for one. Sure, we'll just take, yeah, we'll just put the talent that's been here the longest and <laughs> put him on the board. Yeah, I think um, that's moving forward. Myron Goodman has the best text for you and I, Walker. Well, not the best, but the most accurate. A Kendall Marshall wrist injury cost UNC a title. I remember finding yeah. out about that injury. Sunday afternoon, I was at church. So I didn't get to watch the game. I get out of church. I had a text from Flounder. Marshall got hurt. We're screwed. Just just two sentences. Yeah. And knew right then and there. We're not winning a national championship. You know why that's a good one? Not only did it have a huge impact on that run, but if we're going at the beginning of meaningful stretches, like the regular season or Kendall Marshall getting hurt, Kendall Marshall being hurt right before that NCAA tournament where they were absolutely a title contender, 
monster injury, and eventually they would lose in the Elite Eight that year, if I'm not mistaken. They would not reach the Final Four. Yeah, they lost to Kansas. Barely survived Ohio. Mm, second Bare- round. Whew, or that was a tough 16. one. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you were devastated to see North Carolina get bounced in the Elite Eight. Yeah, man. It was heartbreaking, you know? I was, uh, <laughs> you know, I had the Kleenex out and all of that. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, there were any significant Wake Forest injuries? Yeah. Uh, Wake has had this year. I'm trying to think, though, uh, off top. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Chris Paul injured teammates. What'd you say, Wes? <laughs> the start of the season uh, last year with uh, Sam having what he had, even though it wasn't like a run-of-the-mill injury. Well, we th- that's a good one. We just we thought he was going to be gone for a while, and yeah. it, was, it was personal issues, and then he comes back. A lot sooner than I yeah, think most people Yeah, and came back and they were talking about the, uh, the the different stuff he had going, the blood clots and, and, and things of that nature. So that one would count. Um, basketball, I'm trying to think. I can't really yeah. think of anybody. Um, a couple people wrote in. Jay from Mount Holly in a 704 number talked about Kyrie at Duke. That's a good one. I mean, they would yes. get bounced by C.J. McCollum that year. And Kyrie played, what, 10 games? For yes. Duke basketball, that's a good one. And the last one I'll read before we move on. Cam tweets things. He wrote in, in college flag football, B-League intramurals, our best player towards ACL on the second play of the season. Brutal loss mm. for the raging waffle irons <laughs> right down the street at Gardner-Webb. I'll tell you this. Anytime anybody mentions their team name for intramurals, I will always pause before I get an FCC violation. If it was anything like our intramural league in Charlotte... Yes. Well, I'm saying our league. There uh-huh. was a lot. There you was know. some wild names. Yeah, there's some wild ones. Maybe I'll try to share some of them, but they're all like 50-50, and some of them are just you know, 100% don't say on air. So, But yes, I had to pause uh, David, not a Duke fan, said Tim Biakabatuka named the injury. He did get hurt. A yeah. ton. But to me, it, it's Keekly in my book because that was just so frightening for a guy that was so beloved, such a great player to see him. Nobody had seen a player react to a concussion in that fashion, and I think that was the most frightening thing about it, especially with the concussion debate raging so hard as it was at that point. I think that that picture became like the the poster for the the trauma and the injuries and 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 everything with concussions. I think that became the the poster child, the video that people would go to to show that. And I think it was just very frightening for the people here to see a player. And around the league, around the country, a player that was so beloved and such a great, great player to have something so traumatic and for it to be that dramatic as it was, man, that that little Keekly injury was no joke. Now, I'll say this. If we just want to go with an update real quickly, what about this J.C. Horn injury? So here we are in week one of a new era. Bryce Age, it's here. You have a new defensive coordinator. There are people that are optimistic enough about the Panthers for them to compete in the NFC South. Even if a lot of people don't think they're going to win, they favor Atlanta, they favor New Orleans. This was the year, okay, J.C. Horn gets a Jero Averro that worked with the cornerback, drafted one spot behind him, and became an all-pro level player in Patrick Sertan. Now you have that defensive coordinator working with what is a very talented corner. And now as we get to see, J.C. Horn is expected to be out for multiple games because of this hamstring injury. So maybe it's not on the same level of these other injuries that we've discussed, but it's pretty deflating, especially, Wes, when a talking point this entire offseason was just how unsure you were about the health of the secondary, especially with Dante Jackson being the opposite starting corner. 
when none, none of us believe in C.J. Henderson, despite Frank Reich's tell, best efforts to tell you otherwise this offseason. J.C. Horn's injury, it's pretty deflating, too, if you're a Panthers fan looking for the ceiling that you could reach this upcoming season. Oh, no question about it. And you look at this this secondary, and it's like, yeah, who do you trust at, at this point? Because uh, J.C. Horn is a guy that people have been waiting to complete a full season so that they can really – put everything together for him and be able to make that claim that he is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And unfortunately you don't get to see that because he's not on the field enough. And so uh, for this guy, you see him run out there and you see the injury happening. You're like, man, and, and coming off of the fact that he got hurt in the preseason, even though it really didn't affect him a ton, but it just seems like there's constant bad news around JC Horn pretty much since he's been drafted here and you hate to see it for the young guy because you know he works his tail off at his craft, and you know he wants to be out there. Nobody wants to be hurt, obviously. We know that. But with him, man, it's just been just tough situation after tough situation. Yeah, I, I hate it. He's he's missed 18 games the first two seasons with injuries. He missed a lot his rookie year. So Jeremy Fowler broke this news earlier today, and a source told him that he would be missing multiple weeks with this injury that he suffered in the first half of this loss to the Falcons. Horn will likely be replaced by veteran Troy Hill, who made an excellent play, open field tackle on Bijan Robinson, as his mother wants us to call him. Bijan Robinson, Troy Hill made an excellent play. Look at his pro football focus grade, minimal snaps, but had a good grade. Hopefully the veteran can just get you from point A to point B and do enough for Horn to come back. And at that point, you have to have Horn be healthy. Let's get a second take Tuesday. We've been waiting long enough. We'll start with the offense here, Wes, and I'll go with a play on the first drive. When you look at third and 11 at the Atlanta 34 for this Carolina Panthers team, that was the Bryce Young screen pass to LaVisca Chenault to pick up that first down. If you look at this play, It's executed pretty well. I think Bryce does a nice job waiting just long enough for Icky to get out there. Thielen and TMJ are with Visca in a bunch on the left side. So they go out and block. And then that throw, to me, it was low to LaVisca. But I still think it led him forward to gain some momentum. Bryce Young throws off of his back foot. He's just baiting the defensive linemen to continue to pursue him and bait them into thinking they're going to get a sack. So Bryce Young throws it to LaVisca. Again, this is third and eleven. TMJ pushes his guy off the spot just enough. Thielen basically just gets in the way long enough. Like there's not a real block there, but he's just in the way. So you can't tackle Visca. And then Icky does a one hand shove on a corner. I mean, it was, it was pretty funny no to match. see just how zero of a match that uh, Icky had as soon as he pulled out of the uh, offensive line. And so there was enough space for Visca to pick up those 14 yards. So a couple things here. Thought it was well executed to pick up a long third down on a pivotal drive. Eventually, they wouldn't score any points because they decided to go for it on fourth down. And that was unfortunate. But a screen pass, well executed enough, worked for them to pick up a third and long. And I also think this showed how they're going to use LaVisca West. I mean, they had talked about it all offseason. They view him as a Cordero Patterson type role. And we had already tried to make that comparison as soon as they traded for him last year. But it seems it's going to be more true, especially if they're going to run him between the tackles. We saw Carey straight up the middle for LaVisca. We saw him go in motion. Speaking of the Joker position for Atlanta that they're trying to put with Cordero, it seems like that comparison is going to ring more true this year than it did last. Yeah, and so the thing with LaVisca, though, if they want to use him in all these different ways, I'm like, I feel like they need to 
use him a little bit more because I think that, you know, the, the, the limited amount of times that he does get the football, it makes it seem like, you know, when he comes in the game, the defenses kind of know if he's out there, that something could be up, like he could be a factor. And I saw a couple of times they did use him as a decoy, especially using him in motion. And, I got to play and like it that. it look like yeah. that jet sweep and things of that nature. Uh, and, and that's fine. I just feel like if you want to use LaVisca in that way, you want him to be a Cordell Patterson slash Debo Samuel type player, not to say that he could be on the level of those guys, but I feel like you should probably use him a little bit more perhaps than what you're doing. I mean, he had two catches for 16 yards. You mentioned the run, but I feel like if, if you want to have a carved out role for a player like that, that you should at least try to get him uh, a, a few more touches than, than what he got. I'm fine with it. Well, especially in this same way, I think they're using him better because it was only screen passes from Ben McAdoo. That was it. So now they're using him as a running back. They're putting him in motion. They still had the screen pass, but it was effective enough to get the first down. We know what his limitations are. It's why I think when we go to Bill Belichick and then he gets his hands on Cordero Patterson, it's like, all right, here's a guy that's dangerous with the football in his hands. He's going to be great in special teams. So once he gets kick returns, I, you know, he might be the best kick return man of all time on Devin Hester, more punt before everybody comes at me with the Devin Hester, still great return man. I don't want to have that debate, but Bill Belichick is saying, okay, well, if he's not a great route runner, but he's dangerous with the football in his hands, shouldn't we just make him this hybrid running back role and boom, it prolongs his career. So that's what I like doing with LaVisca. I don't need to send him on any kind of intricate route tree. Like, let's just get the football in his hands, see what he can do with it. And maybe they should do that more in the second half. But it worked in the first, and I like the way they've used him in the first half compared to what they did last year with Ben McAdoo. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I just think four touches, at least, I think you could maybe double that, maybe get into that, that eight, nine, ten range maybe to get him the ball if you feel like that he's that dangerous. Because when you put a guy in that type of role, that's telling me you feel like that he's a, a threat on the field. You feel like that he could be a guy that could hurt a defense anytime he touches the ball. And I just think four times, you know, if that's how you want to use him, I just think you could probably use him. Uh, a little bit more. But uh, as far as my first positive play that I've got from uh, the football game is 12:58 uh, in the third quarter on that first and 10 when Bryce Young breaks out and scrambles uh, for a nice gain. I think he gets about 16 yards yeah. or something like that on the carry. And it's like, how much do you feel like he'll need to run to manufacture first downs in this offense? Because I think that's a very, very underrated aspect of Bryce's game. Same. He does have the requisite athleticism that he can get out of the pocket and he can make some things happen. And I feel like that that's going to be needed to continue to make uh, the defense honest and to maybe open up some things for him as well. But I thought that that was just a glimpse, not to say that he could be a 1,000-yard rusher, that he needs to take punishment or things of that nature. But I think that sometimes if those running lanes are there, that can add an extra element to the offensive. Bryce decides to put it down and uh, get some yardage. Love seeing the athleticism at work. I think that was not talked about nearly enough that, hey, maybe he can run and actually pick up some yards that way. Everybody's so scared of him getting destroyed because of his size. But as long as he's safe, good. Go ahead and pick up those yards. Learn how to slide. We know he needs to learn on that based off what we saw in the preseason. But other than that, totally with you. My other one was from the second drive. I'm going to talk about the interception because I was looking at that a little bit more. So Frank Reich, this is the one that he takes responsibility for. Thielen had the OPI. They had the delay of game penalty. That backed them up even further. And so on this play, he drops back. The only other option I saw in playing the Monday Monday morning quarterback thing Mingo's guy leaves him on the right side. 
if he holds on, if Bryce Young holds on to the football and scans the field a little more, I think you get a good enough chunk on the second down to then bring it with them like third and seven. Who knows? With Mingo, very good after the catch. We've seen that before. Yeah, clearly, he shouldn't have thrown it because it ends up in an interception and Jesse Bates baits him as we've been rolling with that pun for a while. Mm-hmm. But, you know, th- this is the Monday morning quarterback that gets you in trouble stuff because I thought it was honestly a good disguise. I think it's A.J. Terrell, if I'm not mistaken, on the right side on Mingo. So if he's there and he's there with Bryce looking in the middle of the field and then he leaves right before he throws it. So he doesn't let go of it yet. He's not even winding up, but he leaves right before he starts to to wind up. And I wonder if Bryce just holds on to that football scans one more time. If he does that, then Mingo's open. You don't have the turnover. You put yourself in a favorable situation to possibly pick up that fourth, uh, that third down, maybe even get it with Mingo's run after the catch ability. That's the what if stuff that I'm not going to say, oh, if they just do this, they would have won. It's just if we dissect the other outcomes that could have happened on that play, I think that one's important because it was such a big play to allow Atlanta to score. And if he holds on a little bit longer, maybe they pick up a good chunk of yardage. Yeah, and so those are some of the things that you're definitely going to think that he can grow from and continue to get better at because I think, like I said, he's going to download everything that happened in this game and he's going to be able uh, to make adjustments on his own in addition to what the coaches are able to do. And so uh, when you talk about uh, a negative aspect of the game play-wise, I'm going to do – Uh, Take a move out of your book. I'm going to go with an all-encompassing topic for my negative on the offense, and I'm going to say the the fourth quarter. Is this baked into the cake, you might say? baked in. It's baked in, baby. You know what I'm saying? The fourth quarter pass blocking. You give up two sacks, six hits uh, in that fourth quarter, and so uh, it begs the question, especially on that second sack with 434 to go in the third, or 434 to go in the fourth quarter. It's third down and 10, and, Bryce holds the ball a little bit. He either doesn't like what he sees or, or no one got open. Then he gets sacked. And on the first sack, he didn't really have much time at all. As soon as he got to the bottom of his drop, uh, they were on him. But that's an interesting development to see going forward. It's like when Carolina's put in obvious passing situations, are they going to be able to continue to hold up against some of the better fronts that they'll see? Because to have a fourth quarter where your quarterback takes that kind of punishment – uh, that's obviously not ideal. All right. I, I know we're up against it. I, I want to talk about this play just real quickly. It was by far my favorite play of the of the day, and I talked about it a little bit yesterday. First and 10 at the Atlanta 20. This was within six minutes to go in the second quarter. It's the 14-yard pickup to Hayden Hurst. I love this play design. I love when it happens on first down. I love where it happens at this part of the field. So you put Visca in motion after already using him, which is important because that means you're setting it up like, okay, the defense knows they're not afraid to give it to LaVisca. So you put LaVisca in motion, you snap it, you fake the handoff to Miles, and then you think LaVisca might catch it out in the flat after he gets put in motion because Bradley Bozeman pulls that way. So they pull the center. The defense starts paying attention to LaVisca. Okay, Bryce starts rolling out that way. So everything is set up to point to you and tell the defense, we're about to throw this thing to LaVisca Chenault, and he's going to pick up yards after the catch on the right side. First down, you get a good chunk of yardage, maybe seven yards, something like that. Set yourself up. Psych! Bryce Young stops after Hayden Hurst holds his block for a little bit, cuts across field, and could not be more wide open. Could not be more wide open. The play design was excellent. It was extremely well executed and I love the spot the first down because it tricks you okay everything is open 
They could do anything at the 20 yard line. I think if you have like a really gifted athlete at the tight end spot, he probably scores Hayden Hurst. Very good at getting open, you know, doing maybe even a little bit of the Greg Olson stuff. And Hurst isn't a bad athlete, but six yards away from the end zone after that play sets him up for a touchdown. That was my favorite play design. I wanted to give them a lot of kudos because they executed that crazy well. And I thought the design was the best design play of the entire day. Yeah, it was a good play, man. You know, you see that a lot of teams uh, do that from time to time with the tight ends. They'll hang them in on a block and let them have a late release and be able to find them because the defense goes to sleep. So, yeah, it was a good uh, play call, and they were able to benefit from it. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back. Let's talk a little bit more about college football on the other side of the break. It's the Campus Corner on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back on a Second Take Tuesday. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep them coming on the text line, 704-570-9610. Let's see what we got on the text line. 704 number says, Wes, I know you are going to Campus Corner, but do you see them going after a corner now with the news about Horn? Um, He's going to be out a few weeks, so... I don't know that they should necessarily make a move on a hamstring injury. If he was going to miss like half the season or the full season, maybe. Uh, we had another 704 number. 704-906 says they need to draft another cornerback next year. So do you think they'll maybe hit the free agent market, see what they can grab off of the um, I think they'll grab get off the street? I think they'll get another corner. Yeah, I think they will, too. Uh, well, I mean, because even if he's out for just a, a couple of weeks, that's a big deal. You're... <laughs> You know you don't have a lot of margin for error to try to win these games, especially in a division matchup coming up next week. And I think with Troy Hill coming in as a guy that is going to have to replace J.C. Horn, you need some depth on the back end because C.J. Henderson, I don't know how much Frank Reich really trusts him. He had a lot of great comments about him during the offseason. I know we don't, Wes. The Panthers fans mm-hmm. certainly don't. You cut Keith Taylor, and nobody was mad about that because it was about his time. So I just think they need some depth. Yeah, maybe you can go out there and find somebody to help you with the depth. All right, well, now it is time to go to the campus. Kona! Well, on top of the Aaron Rodgers bad news on football, North Carolina has gotten more bad news as well. North Carolina's Board of Trustees held an emergency meeting Monday to receive a legal update regarding wide receiver Ted Walker, who remains eligible to play, ineligible, excuse me, to play in 2023. After a final NCAA hearing last Thursday, head coach Mac Brown attended the meeting and afterward held his weekly radio show uh, where he discussed it. And so he said, quote, there's a lot of question marks that from a legal standpoint that we have to look at. He won't play Saturday. I don't think he'll play for the rest of the year. But I don't know that. I don't know the legal ramifications. A lot of people are looking into that now. So he remains a part of the team, participating in practice. Program showed his support for him in Saturday's home opener by putting a sticker with his number nine on the game's helmet. 
and making him an honorary captain for the pregame coin toss at midfield. Mac Brown says simply, quote, we need change. So what do we think about this and all of the efforts that UNC is putting into this? Even uh, rumors coming about them maybe taking this through the judicial process as well to try to see what they can do. But Mac Brown pretty much saying that I don't think that he will play for the rest of the year. Sounds like that we're starting to come to the end of this journey. Yeah, I mean, I hope that they exhaust all of their options as much as they possibly can to see if they can get Tez Walker on the football field because we all know it's wrong. We all know the NCAA deciding to keep Tez Walker out of football is very wrong if they want to say that they care first and foremost about their words, quote-unquote, the student-athlete. That's their word, right? If you care so much about them Mm -hmm. and you want to have them abide by the title, well, I guess you want to strip them from that athlete moniker and just have them become a student. I think you should care about them enough to let them play, especially in this kind of circumstance. So, yeah, I hope they exhaust all their options, whether it be legal, whether it be, you know, varying levels of how you're going to legislate this thing. Hopefully he can come back out onto the football field. But I'm with you. I would bet against it at this point. And the last word on this, he said, uh, Max said that they called them and told them to tell him no. He said that Tez can't even talk because he's so distraught. We're afraid to let him go back to his room by himself. We got him to go home and he missed class for two days. Uh, we're worried he'll drop out of school. We're worried he might really struggle mentally. We're just worried about his future and his health. They didn't care. So, yeah, man, that uh, definitely stinks for this young man. And hopefully, you know, he can stay positive, sit that year out, and then uh, get ready to come back and play for North Carolina next year and see if he can help this football team. But a man that's definitely helping uh, his football team and that Carolina will not be able to go out and sign at this point to come and play cornerback is Travis Hunter from the the Colorado Buffaloes. And so we talked about how he played over 120-plus snaps in their first game. And against Nebraska, it continued. There was no difference. Uh, He played 69 of 77 offensive snaps, had three catches for 73 yards. On defense, he played 57 of 63 snaps, had four tackles and one pass breakup. I'll start the conversation with saying that if this young man continues at this pace, Colorado has a great season and he has a, a really good season on either or both sides of the ball. This could be the greatest season in college football that we've ever seen. And I, and I say that because when you talk about the pace in which they play, I've said it before. When we ran two-minute drill, I used to be gassed, okay? Now in college football, they play two-minute drill the entire game. There's no, I make a tackle, then I go back to the huddle, and I get to catch my breath for five seconds before I come out and go to the next snap. It's no, I make a tackle, I get right up, go to the line, I got action again. Offense, the same thing. I go catch a 40, 50-yard bomb. I got to hustle to the line of scrimmage and get ready to go for the next snap. So to me, as far as just from an endurance standpoint, we've seen the Champ Baileys. We've seen the Charles Woodsons of the world. We've seen some of those guys and what they've done. But nobody's done what this kid is doing right now. And if he continues to play this many snaps, don't forget also he contributes on special teams as well. Do you feel like this could be the greatest single individual season in college football history? I don't think so. I think it's going to be really hard to accomplish that. Even if he's doing something that's never been done before, I have no problem if you wanted to try to put it in the top 10 or something like that. But even with how much value he holds as what is a very good wide receiver and a very good cornerback, it's crazy what he's doing. I'm not arguing that. 
But to say that it's going to be the best college football season of all time, to me, that means a pretty high bar of checking off big boy accomplishments. So Heisman winning, championship being the reason that you're there. I think of Tim Tebow in 2007, to be specific. And I think of Cam Newton in 2011, especially with the lack of talent compared to other championship teams. I think of Cam Newton being there as well, even if you are playing what to me is a very important position at wide receiver and at cornerback. I still can't say that's more important than a dynamite quarterback. So I would still go with some of those other guys. But what we're doing is you're asking me to say, is it number one or is it number five? I don't want to disrespect him by saying it's not number one because what he's doing, it's bonkers. Let's say he has, crazy. let's say he goes. 800 to 1,000 yards receiving, catches 10-plus touchdowns, and gets five or so interceptions, a lot of pass breakups, stuff like that. I mean, it'll be crazy. I think it's got to be up there as far as top three to four in my book, just as far as the endurance and and everything that requires in today's college football. I think that's the caveat that I put on it. But I'm with you. I think he he would have a strong argument to me for number one. I just – Heisman, championship – Playing quarterback. I mean, yeah, still, I get that. I get that. But I'm just saying, it. as far as just straight individual accomplishments in a season, because I think if he puts up those kind of numbers playing both sides of the ball and Colorado is in the top 10, I think he's getting the Heisman. Well, is he going to even beat a guy on his own team? I think, man, it, it would be hard. They, they have a chance to cannibalize each other. But I think that, man, it would be hard to turn down that type of season, especially to me, the key for him if he gets 1,000 yards receiving. If he gets 1,000 yards receiving and plays 90-plus percent of the offensive and defensive snaps, man, I don't know how you how you look away from that, man. That That is something. Fiddy, what do you think about this? I think the thing that makes it difficult is, like, for it to be the greatest season ever, Colorado's got to be in playoff contention. You, we went over their schedule yesterday. They got Oregon and USC coming up in back-to-back weeks. And, look, they, they've been impressive the first two weeks. I don't think they're beating Oregon. I don't think they're beating USC. So, I think he may have the most interesting season maybe in college football history. Because I think the best seasons, I mean, Tebow's Heisman year, Cam's Heisman year. No doubt. Johnny's Heisman year. I don't know if he's going to be on that level for 12 weeks. I think at some point his body's going to give out. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, we'll Lamar see. was incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see, man, as the season goes along. But he is really off to a historic start as far as the pace, the snaps, everything that he's doing. And when we come back on the other side, more college football talk. Is it the same old, same old for the NC State Wolfpack? All defense, not a lot of offense. We're going to talk about that more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.